All right, welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. This is our September 3rd, 2009 edition of the show. It's about 5.09 p.m. on the clock here in Irvine, California, sunny Irvine, California, another wonderful sunny day. It's been actually rather hot out uh, where I live, and many of us live a little further inland, but since we're right near the ocean here, just getting that wonderful breeze, and it's just a beautiful day. And, uh, yeah, before we get into things, got a couple of quick reminders. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, I always appreciate that. You can email me at rglarson at KUCI.org. Also on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash rglarson, MySpace as well, myspace.com slash outtherabbithole. All right. Uh, we have a special guest today. All of our guests are special, but uh, this one is extra special. He's been here several times, and there's a reason for that. Uh, it's really good stuff. So, uh, yeah, he is a um, longtime supporter of the show, and he does uh, work that's uh, along similar lines, and uh, we just really connect and always have a great conversation. And I refer to him as, uh, or he refers to himself also as well, as an informationalist, and uh, as the term I use, gonzo alt-media proprietor. And I'm speaking of Stephen Miles Lewis, also known as Smiles Lewis, uh, mostly that online. And uh, he is... Uh, he has the website, Elf Infested Spaces, that's uh, been around for quite some time that covers all things paranormal and anomalous and basically is all about questioning consensus reality and making you think and maybe about things you don't want to think about, but it's usually uh, fun and entertaining and sometimes mind-blowing. He's also... Uh, started a, a thing called Anomaly Magazine, Anomaly Radio as well. He does a few shows there, and uh, we'll get into that a little more. And uh, as I said, basically, it's about questioning consensus reality. And uh, Smiles Lewis, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. That's a really warm and welcoming introduction. Thank you so much for having me on the show again. Uh, it's always great. I, I seriously, you know, know I can always just, uh, whenever you're willing and have the time, get you on here, and we, we have uh, fascinating discussions, and uh, to me, never gets boring, and I, I believe to most of our listeners uh, feel, feel the same way about that. So uh, anything else I, we need to mention about the work you're doing as far as your websites and all of that? I know I missed a few things you've got going. Well, there's always too many to mention, but um, thank you for covering so many of them. Uh, recently, I've been resuscitating uh, the nonprofit that I'm involved with uh, back in 2003. Uh, really, it goes back before that, but as far as the paperwork with the state is concerned, that's when I first uh, started forming the nonprofit lending library of the Scientific Anomaly Institute, which is called the Anomaly Archives. And uh, we're you know 501c3 here in Austin, Texas, where uh, we have a, a always growing collection of anomalous literature that ranges from the uh, anomalous in general to uh, aliens and uh, consciousness and uh, um, cryptozoology and Fortean strange phenomena, anything, anything outside, anything that, that uh, mainstream science considers anomalous or uh, 
uncategorizable or that sort of thing. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff on UFOs and parapsychology and all the different branches of parapsychology, whether it be the popular literature on on uh, uh, ESP and uh, precognitive dreams, which you and I have talked about a lot, and um, other types of anomalous cognition. Uh, and, of course, my main area of interest, which I use as kind of a... Uh, circle to be measured beginning anywhere kind of point, and that's the UFO, uh, strange, uh, unidentified, uh, fascinating objects. And, um, of course, post-9-11, uh, I've really kind of redirected a lot of my energy towards examining the parapolitical, and uh, while we are a nonprofit and don't, of course, have any uh, political leanings, um, we do have our little section on parapolitical science because, of course, uh, it is a fact that uh, people conspire and uh, companies and uh, uh, countries and various communities uh, and corporations, they've all conspired to do things that uh, run contra to um, all the things that you and me and uh, any good human would uh, consider right and just. So <laughs> it's always a fascinating area to explore, the, the, the un-anomalous uh, a- aspect of corruption in government and uh, corporations. It's, it's unfortunately not anomalous enough. But uh, um, so I've been resuscitating the Anomaly Archives. Um, we, we just got a new physical location again after a couple of years of uh, stasis, hibernation. Um, so we're now up in uh, North West Austin at the near the corners of Technology and Research Boulevards, and uh, we've uh, we're quickly approaching 2,000 books in our collection. Um, but we also work with the collections of the local MUFON Mutual UFO Network chapter, which I used to head uh, back in the day. Um, and all, as well as uh, the collections of the Young Society of Austin, that's the Carl Young Society, they have um, at least 2,000 books of their own on the subject of Jungian psychology. And uh, the place whose uh, uh, physical location we're inhabiting is actually this uh, nonprofit called INAX, uh, uh, which I'm on the board of, and uh, that stands for Institute for Neuroscience and Consciousness Studies. And among the people on our advisory board, people that we occasionally tap for uh, insights are people like Hal Putoff, who, of course, uh, any of your listeners are going to know, has his deep roots uh, in the parapsychology field uh, with his work at Stanford Research Institute, SRI, where he pioneered remote viewing, which we didn't know at the time, but later found out was being funded by the military. So... Um, uh, this INAX group that I'm involved with uh, has been gracious enough to let us uh, house the Anomaly Archives in its physical location uh, is interested in consciousness research, particularly uh, anomalous cognition uh, and things related to parapsychology, but not just that. Uh, we've got a couple different research projects going on right now that range from, well, I'm not supposed to say too much, but uh, psychoanalysis and handwriting to um, new uh, artistically oriented paradigms for educational systems to, to help deal with these kids that are falling through the cracks because our educational systems are so flawed that you don't know what to do with them, um, as well as uh, some good old-fashioned hooking up the brain to, to the EEG machine and trying to pick up brainwaves uh, during certain types of anomalous cognition, like when people are remote viewing. So all kinds of interesting stuff going on with that whole Austin community, Austin consciousness community is what some people call it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I came out there and visited you once in Austin. Actually, wish I could uh, spend a little more time out there. I have to come out again because it just seems like there is a, a sort of hotbed of, of uh, alternative uh, exploration out there. And uh, so, so you have a physical location, the Anomaly Archives. People can actually stop in there, right? 
Uh, yeah, we're, we just announced um, just a couple of days ago that uh, we're going to start having Saturday hours from 1 to 5 p.m. And uh, got to be looking for some volunteers to come help me uh, <laughs> staff that. And we still have uh, hundreds of books to catalog that have been languishing in boxes since we were in hibernation. But um, several donations, several collections that were donated over the last two years, uh, I'm finally uh, cataloging. And so, like I said, we're about to uh, surpass 2,000 books just in our own collection, not counting those of the other uh, collections I mentioned. And, uh, yeah, people can find out about that at anomalyarchives.org. And we just posted uh, uh, the July-August, um, very late in August, the July-August uh, newsletter, which has more anomalous news links than I think I have ever packed into one newsletter. I mean, there's, I didn't really, com- there's no commentary. It's just straight up you know, links to the headlines and news stories ranging from, uh, you know, videos of Jacques Vallée talking about remote viewing and his part in the history of that to, um, oh, these anomalous sewer blobs that you may have heard about <laughs> on the news, these crazy balls of worms that look like some kind of pulsating heart in the sewers of North Carolina and Denver, um, and uh, just a wide range of, of things, including, you know, cryptozoology, Bigfoot videos, and um, and links to articles on uh, hardcore research in all these areas. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you a little more about those sewer blobs in a moment. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I hadn't heard about that. But, yeah, so uh, anomalyarchives.org? Uh, dot, uh, dot That's it. Yeah, so people can go there, find all the information. If you're in the Austin area, uh, you can actually stop in. You guys, the hours, you guys will list the hours and have a few hours that will be open to just a person of the public stopping in and seeing what you guys are all about. Yes, indeed. All right. Great stuff. Great stuff. And what I like about what you're talking about, the way you're talking about all of this, and why you and I connect and some of the other people in our uh, circles, such as Greg Bishop and uh, you know who the rest of you are, uh, uh, Adam Gorightly, is that uh, we like looking at all these things that many people will hear when you mention UFO and uh, psychic phenomena, and they think, uh, oh, you believe, or, you know, you believe in that stuff, and no, we're all about, we're not about believing in anything, we're about investigating. There's something going on here, it's weird, it's interesting, we want to find it, find out about, more about it, and maybe there's something that has a mundane explanation, fine, but maybe not, and maybe that exploring of this strange phenomena will lead us to a better understanding of uh, reality and general consciousness. And, and it, it seems that's how you're approaching it and, you know, the rest of the people in, in our sort of circle. And I think that that's what is uh, exciting to me, why it's... it's uh, I, I get really bored when I come across people that they're true believers in all this stuff, or they're people, one way or the other, whether they believe it's just all true as it appears or whether they believe it, it can't possibly be true and are just out to debunk it at, at all costs. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, what do we call that? I guess we call that the excluded middle. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, and um, so those of you who were kind of getting maybe a little weirded out that uh, don't always uh, <laughs> hear us talking about these kinds of subjects, you know, stick around. We're, we're not going to try to indoctrinate you. We're going to just try to get your uh, curiosity up. And uh, so... Let's see, uh, what else do I want to... Oh, yeah, so let, let's talk a little bit more about those anomalous sewer blobs. That, that's really... I, I hadn't heard of this. What, what's going on there? Oh, well, it, was a, it was about a month ago. Uh, well, it was a couple of months ago. There was uh, uh, several viral videos making around on YouTube that people were getting excited about because basically 
um, I guess it's in, I think it's North Carolina, uh, a sewer company was uh, using one of their remote uh, robots in one of these small pipes under this community and uh, with a video, video camera attached. And the video footage is, I mean, to me, it was pretty startling. I mean, it clearly looked like a fleshy blob with tentacles going out in all directions that seemed to respond to the presence of the robot in ways that implied like it was withdrawing its tentacles and balling itself up even more into a ball, uh, almost looking like an exposed heart um, or, or a brain even. Um, and, it, you know, of course, it's, when people you tell people it's in the sewer and it looks as squishy as it did, people go, ew, you know, and get pretty freaked <laughs> out, thinking, oh, my God, there's something alive under me? Oh, my God. You know, when, of course, uh, people don't realize that the vast majority of living organisms on the planet are not on the planet so much as in the planet the uh, you know the topsoil and you know within a mile down there's more biomass of organisms than than covers the planet or inhabits you know our realm so um it's it's pretty astonishing and but then when you see when you're confronted with this kind of pulsating thing that's allegedly in the sewers and of course you when you think of your sewers you think of your toilet and you're at your most vulnerable <laughs> it just conjures up all kinds of uh, uh you know archetypal fears and whatnot and uh, what apparently we we reported on this on anomaly magazine what's interesting is that apparently there had been almost identical critters uh videotapes and identified like a year earlier i believe in in colorado and um the general consensus is there's a couple of different really common variety worms that I think in fact are referred to as sewer worms, which if you've ever seen earthworms uh, in a rainstorm, when they get dislodged from the earth because of the mud and the soaking of the water, uh, they'll often bunch together, and uh, or it'll, uh, fire ants do this too. I don't know if, I guess your Southern California is dealing with uh, fire ants, but um, um, they'll, they'll ball together uh, in a way that's pretty freaky because they look, they, be, they become like one living organism, which, of course, anybody who studied uh, ants and uh, other colony-type insects, you know, the hive mind aspect of that is fascinating and has its resonance in all these other strange phenomena that we get into. Um, but uh, these sewer critters were pretty much presumed to be one of these ter- terrestrial, one of these normal, you know, commonplace type of uh, uh, worms or some such that uh, we just aren't used to seeing. And when it balls up like that and looks like it's acting as a whole, it, 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 it's pretty freaky. It reminds us of those blob movies <laughs> from the 50s and 60s. Uh, absolutely, yeah. So... These what what size are we talking about here? Well, that's the thing. The, the like so many forced perspective shots in uh, media, it's really hard to tell. Now, none of the media reports I'm familiar with actually quoted a size. Um, you know, the the perspective in the videos makes it look like these things are pretty big, like fist or heart size, maybe as big as a, a small kid's head. Um, but, of course, you remember, you know, these are sewer pipes, and most sewer pipes are not very big. Um, you say sewer, and you think of the kind that you could crawl through, but that the whole reason they're using a robot is because, of course, it's a small space. And if you look at the video closely enough, and if, if you're a fan of, of science fiction movies or anything that uses models, you're, you're usually quite familiar with the effects that water uh, can give away the... the, the contextual size of what you're actually seeing. And in, in the case of these these blobs, I, I think they actually may be smaller than a fist. So not actually as impressive as when you first see it on film. But that's just a guess because, um, as I said, I haven't seen any specifics on the uh, size. And uh, you, didn't, you never actually see the r- size of the robot that they're putting through the pipes. 
and they are generating their own light? Uh, no, these the robots have lights on okay. them. Okay, so it, it, yeah. they're uh, not self luminous. That would be pretty freaky. <laughs> I don't. For some reason, when you first sewer worms. <laughs> when you first mentioned it, sometime uh, for some reason I thought you said glowing or something. I just thought that you know my. I may have. You never know. <laughs> overactive imagination <laughs> from seeing too many of these things. Well, that that's pretty cool though. That's still really interesting, and. Uh, I don't think you mentioned your your radio shows that you do, and is, is specifically the one with Mac White. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, I'll say uh, I'm actually only doing one radio show a week now. For a while, briefly there, I was doing about a year and a half. I was doing three different shows almost every week uh, on my little web radio station. But due to technical problems uh, starting last year, things have not been as I would have liked. But yes, uh, actually, the exciting thing has been that ever since. Uh, uh, the end of last year, uh, Mac and I have uh, taken our show onto this new upstart uh, Austin radio station called American Freedom Radio. You can find it at freeradio.com or AmericanFreedomRadio.com and our website, PSIOPRadio.com, PSYOP Radio. And, of course, it's PSI because of our interest in uh, um, uh, all things psychic and, uh, uh, like I was talking about, anomalous cognition and parapsychology stuff. Um, and it's, of course, a play on the idea of psyop, psychological operations and psychological warfare, and uh, what other people call, for shorthand, the info war. And this, uh, this idea that uh, the powers that be, whether they be governments, corporations, or uh, military dictatorships, whatever, sometimes they all seem the same to me, um, <laughs> they... Uh, um, they, they often resort to psychological operations, uh, using the, the psychological methods to sell, uh, the things that marketing and advertising are based on, the uh, idea of, hey, let's use images and audio to move people in a certain direction, and uh, how that can be used for political gain. And because of our interest in par the paranormal uh, and parapolitical and UFOs and anomalous phenomena, you know, uh, I've for a long time, been looking at uh, the overlap and how, while I do believe that there's a legitimate parapsychological phenomena of, of, of uh, anomalous information transfer, precognitive dreams, and psychic clairvoyant visions and that sort of thing, and telepathy and whatnot, at the same time, I realize that people's beliefs in those things or people's beliefs about UFOs or about extraterrestrials, these are easily manipulated. I mean, anybody who stops to think about religion can, can put two and two together and, you know, thinks that, you know, if, if it can be done uh, on people's uh, spiritual uh, beliefs, it can be done on what, on the beliefs that people hold that they think are rational and science-based and fact-based. Um, and since the media has often, well, the media has always been, you know, the mouthpiece of the elites, um, it's, it's important to, to look at those things. So on PSYOP Radio, my co-host and I, Mac White, Mac White being a fantastic comic artist who I know has been a guest on your show and whom you know, um, we do this show every Sunday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. And uh, it's a two-hour show where we pretty much just go through the news that we've collected that week, um, you know, trying to, as much as we can, correlate it to past shows and uh, our insights onto these uh, different subjects based on our past research. And um, we've been having more and more guests on the show. We've had Adam Gorightly on. Um, we were going to have Jerry Smith on talking about uh, weather warfare and uh, the 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 facts behind uh, the, uh, the human ability to manipulate the weather, and uh, that that got delayed, but we're going to have him on again soon, and 
Um, it's it's a really fun show. You know, I love uh, hanging out with Mac for any reason and, and getting together to rant about the, the latest craziness going on in the world. It's always <laughs> fun. Uh, and, you know, to spice things up, uh, we have the police state drinking game. The what? The police state drinking game. See, oh. I have to take a couple of drinks right now. <laughs> Okay, we're getting some anomalous uh, interference here. So I don't know if that's your. Okay, I can still hear you just fine. So. Okay, yeah, I, I guess that was uh, maybe the uh, the authorities uh, checking in on us there. <laughs> yeah, well, I am talking to you over you know the NSA controlled AT and T uh, network. So, <laughs> exactly. what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, we we pretty much have to. We have to just. I mean, I'm not saying don't rail against it and don't get out there and protest it and don't, you know, vote with your dollars. But, uh, you know, we all know we're all being monitored more than we ever before. Yeah, this is true. And the more we find out about what's been going on, it, it, the more we, we realize what you just said is true. And, uh, yeah, so this is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. Robert Larson here speaking with Smiles Lewis. And we're talking about all of his excellent work in his uh, uh, PSYOP radio uh, program that he does out of uh, Austin, uh, Texas there in uh, Anomaly uh, Archives, Anomaly uh, Magazine, and uh, all of this, uh, all about questioning consensus reality. And uh, we, uh, I guess we should get to something we've uh, been wanting to talk about, you and I, uh, on the show. It's something we've mentioned uh, previously. And you and I talk quite a bit about consciousness, uh, exploring that weird mystery of existence, what consciousness is, and... Uh, mention several different thinkers and writers who've explored this and we've gotten into the work of uh, Philip K. Dick and his ideas about um, alternate realities and which have been popularized more in recent years through the uh, uh, making of some of his uh, stories into movies. Uh, so we've talked about his work and several other people and one of the people we uh, often seem to refer back to is Terence McKenna and uh, he just uh, did uh, so much work to um, open our minds and other people we know uh, to possibilities of what's going on, to that uh, uh, kind of opening us up to <laughs> realize that many things that we took for granted were were just that, things we were taking for granted. They were really not based on, on solid uh, uh, reality. And uh, so... Uh, McKenna was uh, one of the people who really popularized the notion of uh, of psychedelics, particularly uh, tryptamine hallucinogens, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, and DMT and others, uh, as tools for uh, expanding our, our awareness. And he, uh, but the thing that really fascinated both of us, I think, about McKenna was. <laughs> his speculations, things that he would come up with that he sometimes just said just came to him or or were based on, on these uh, this intelligence that seems to be part of the uh, tryptamine realm, these the, the speculations he came up with about reality, about how it was all put together. And, and one of these things that that I had gotten wind of years back and had sort of understood it and mentioned it because I loved the phrase. It sounded so cool. And that was uh, the 
fractal soliton of improbability. And I know, Smiles, you liked this as well, but, but haven't quite heard about it as much. And, and so recently have done some research on it and uh, gotten a better understanding of it. So those of you listeners who've heard us say that and thought, wow, yeah, that, that's bizarre, but, but really, what is it? We're going to try to try to break that down a little more today. So, uh, Smiles, what have you what has been your understanding over the last few weeks as far as looking into this a little more that that you didn't understand before well uh yeah you turned me on to this years ago by sending me uh, uh, through snail mail uh, a cassette tape of an old terence mckenna lecture and i think it was sub so you or somebody had titled it uh roman chariots <laughs> on the moon and um i've been looking for that again but i haven't been able to find it yet but um a, about a month or so ago i came across uh, a link um, at a, a blog called dream flash i believe it's by a guy over in london and he had gone to the trouble of transcribing um, a particular um, lecture of, of McKenna's um, that he found in this wonderful collection of, of archived uh, lectures of McKenna with a bunch of other wonderful people. Um, and in this audio, this is the only other reference I'd ever come across um, to this idea of the fractal soliton of improbability that McKenna was talking about. And in fact, it actually has resonance with several of his other ideas, this idea of the time wave, the idea of the ingression of novelty leading towards some omega point uh, in the uh, late, you know, December 2012 region, and uh, it also connected to his ideas about UFOs and whatnot, and um, having, you know, devoured as much of, of his uh, material as I could uh, from his published books to these wonderful lectures that he did all the time uh, across the, the planet. Um, I, I really didn't come across this idea very much because it's a very specific idea. And that idea is, in a nutshell, that there is this type of physics entity in the universe called a, a soliton of improbability. And it's, it, he's described it both as a wave and a particle. And in its wave aspect, it's, it's a, a wave that has one interval. <laughs> it is just like one cycle. It only happens once. And he, um, apparently he was meditating in his usual way, which I assume either means he was high on pot or psilocybin, or, or maybe he was just meditating straight. I don't know. But he came up with this idea. It came to him as if it was delivered by this other realm. You know, he's always posited these elf-infested spaces that he um, says that, you know, the psychedelic research that he's done um, seems to grant access to and uh, that uh, many other researchers seem to s support this contention that the aboriginal cultures of our planet have always uh, been in contact with this other realm and that, that there seem to be entities in this other realm that communicate with us. Well, he says that this other realm communicated with them, but this time it told him something different in, in a very short amount of time. And that different thing that he took, that what he was told was that this fractal soliton of improbability hit our planet um, uh, way back, uh, and he says you can shift this either way to either the uh, the Immaculate Conception or the Resurrection. And either way, the idea is simply that the birth of Christ was this most improbable event in our reality um, induced by our planets encountering this, this uh, soliton of improbability, and that uh, it, it instantly created two different 
versions of our planet. And he, of course, likens the idea behind this to, um, I think it's Maxwell Wheeler, the physicist, who posited that um, with every decision uh, that's made, there are two, you know, universes created. In other words, the multi-world interpretation where there are an infinite number of, of possible realities, each based upon the decisions that we make and also just you know the different probabilities that uh, uh, certain uh, actions could could lead down, and he says that this uh, created two um, different realities, and one in which uh, Christ was born, one in which Christ was not born, and basically that obviously we're in the one that he was born into, in which what he describes as the Jimmy urge um, uh, conspired to uh, uh, manifest itself in our reality, and that the um, the toppling of Roman civilization, such as it was by uh, this myth of Jesus and the resurrection, um, retarded our uh, technological growth, uh, but not so much our technology, but as, uh, retarded our, uh, our growth in, in the directions that it would have gone had Christ never existed. And that basically Hypatia wouldn't have been murdered, stoned to death, and that uh, we would have had calculus much, much more early in our history. And that basically in this other reality, they progressed um, without the repressions of uh, the Christian epoch and that uh, led them to uh, 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 earlier to being seafaring, led them to meeting the Mayans, um, resulted in a... Um, a global Greco-Roman uh, Mayan cybernetic culture that encompassed a, a, a knowledge of the power and use of uh, psychedelic plants and the exploration of consciousness, and that at some point their exploration of consciousness brought them into an awareness of our reality, their shadow reality, their, the, the, the bifurcated reality that was created when the, the soliton of improbability wrenched our world into these two different time streams. And <laughs> this leads to the idea, of, in, uh, he was, you know, of course this is a vision of his that he was experiencing in a very short amount of time in which he, I, to my knowledge, only spoke or wrote about a handful of times. It didn't, I don't think, ever make it into any official book of his that I'm aware. And in right. some ways it, in some ways it's complementary and in some ways it contradicts his other ideas about 2012 and UFOs, but um, right, not, right. I, I wouldn't. I don't think it's mutually exclusive. But anyway, he posits that at some point they realized that um, this separate time stream was created, the separate planet where we are uh, was created, and that they have started a program of trying to contact us, and that that is in fact part of the UFO phenomenon. But that also around. Our year, 1908, 1906, whenever it was uh, that the Tunguska blast occurred, that that, in fact, was them testing their hypothesis that they had discovered um, nuclear atomic bomb technology much right. earlier than we had, but didn't do anything with it because of their culture being so radically different, um, and that they tested the hypothesis that if they detonated a bomb in their reality, it would have effects in our reality. 
and supposedly by monitoring the uh, dreams of, of uh, Siberian shamans, uh, <laughs> they were able to discern that yes, in fact, you know these you know hundreds of acres or however much uh, square miles of, of these trees were knocked down by the blast, and it's a it's an enigma that has confounded uh, our reality scientists for a long, long time. Uh, you know, was it a UFO that exploded? Was it some kind of weird nuclear device? You know, was it a comet? Uh, or not a comet, but an asteroid or, or a meteor or some such? Uh, a lot of different hypotheses. But he's saying, you no, know, in this vision, he was told that it was a deliberate act on their part to test the overflow of these energies, which, you know, it's really interesting to me because he does describe himself as a contactee, a UFO contactee, mm -hmm. not, an alien, not an alien abductee, but a contactee. And, and, of course, his experiences in the Amazon involved um, him seeing a classic George Adamski-style uh, Right. Nuts, and bolts, nuts and bolts flying saucer, but which at the time that he was witnessing it, he goes, you know, I know that those were hoaxed photographs, <laughs> and yet here I am seeing this thing. You know, of course, he was under the influence of psychedelics, but as he says, he's one of the preeminent people on the effects of psychedelics, so he should be able to discern a hallucination from a real phenomena. And it came out of a cloud in the classic cloud cigar type of UFO where there's this cylindrical uh, anomalous object that seems to eject other objects that, that then fly around. Um, and so he posits that the UFO phenomena is this culture trying to uh, get our attention, trying to Take, lead us away from the potential of us destroying not just ourselves with atomic weapons, but these, their reality as well. Now, he says that by this point, at, at our time point in their reality, they're about 1,200, 1,500 years technologically ahead of us, and they've already populated the stars. So it's not that this is their home world. It's just it is, or rather, it's not that this is the only world that they live on. It's, it's their home world. Right, it has our, some almost like world. religious significance in, in a certain sense. Uh, you know, it's the the uh, origin of everything, and there's sort of like a uh, a reverence for preserving it. And and so they're worried. They in their alternate time stream, they did the atomic blast as a test, just to test to see their hypothesis that it would leak over into the other time stream, our time stream, which they had discovered. And then when they realized that was true, they became concerned that, you know, we were going to develop atomic weapons, which we did, and then we wouldn't be so advanced enough to know that it would, you know, it would F up and <laughs> leak over into this other time stream. And so they're, they're concerned about that and, and is trying to uh, stop us from uh, doing any more nuclear blasts than we've already done. And which, in fact, the, uh, the, the UFO contactee movement um, uh, in the 50s and 60s that the United States experienced, uh, and really the world, but particularly in the United States, um, that was one of the central messages was you've got to stop exploding these atomic weapons. You don't understand, you know, the effects it's having in other parts of the universe and other, in other realities. Um, you know, they may not have couched it in terms of, you know, solitons of improbability and quantum mechanics and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, um, you know, the occult world has been very well versed in the idea of alternate dimensions, whatever, however you want to define them. And uh, in, in the uh, 50s and 60s contact D literature, um, you know, which is very much springing from out of uh, the, the occult literature, the occult experience, um, there's this, this message from these space brothers that, hey, you know, uh, you need to stop doing that. So it's really kind of interesting. And, and actually that even, I mean, even in the modern abductee, the more modern abductee 
um, literature, that, that was another central theme, the idea that we're destroying the earth. So usually in those cases, it's almost, it's almost always from an ecological standpoint as opposed to a nuclear weapons standpoint. But, um, so Valet, uh, Valet, uh, Valet was saying a lot of things that influenced McKenna as far as his ideas about the nature of the phenomena. Uh, McKenna did really, uh, conceive of, uh, the UFO phenomena as being, uh, this result of the, uh, what he believed to be the overmind, the oversoul, um, and, and which he, uh, agreed with Valet that it was acting as a cultural thermostat, that whenever, um, human society got overly one thing or another in the case of uh, modern man becoming overly rational, overly scientific, um, and to the detriment of our ethics and the environment, uh, that this overmind, you know, redirects human consciousness through these anomalous encounters that influence the culture and society at large to go in a different direction. And this is something that uh, both Valet and McKenna were very concerned about though for slightly different reasons, and they had their differences. In a lot of ways, they had a lot of the same ideas. But So with this soliton of improbability, McKenna is positing, again, that, that the UFO phenomenon is part of that, though he never really went into much detail about that. But he's suggesting this alternative to his ideas about what's going to happen uh, towards the end of 2012, that perhaps that is what they're leading towards, that, that, that this other time stream's civilization is trying to bring our time streams back together and that perhaps that is what's going to happen at the end of 2012. And uh, I know there's been so much said about 2012 in the last year and a half, two years. I mean, obviously, anybody who's been in the New Age community has been hearing about it for a decade <laughs> or more. But, you know, for the average listener, they're probably just hearing about this, and then they might hear, oh, that's that Sony movie that's coming out, you know, <laughs> uh, what they've been seeing the previous four with the Tibetan running across the hills and banging the gong and then this huge tidal wave coming, and it's all disasters and, and whatnot. And that's a very strange viral ARG marketing uh, program campaign for that uh, movie. But, you know, there's been a number of books on the subject, and you've had guests on talking about this. And it, it is more than just this, you know, goofy New Age idea about the end times, you know. It, it, there is more, much more to it, especially when you consider the fact that somebody like McKenna arrived at that date in a completely circuitous route that didn't have anything to do with studying the Mayans. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Mayans being the one that most people point to that, that, that say who said, you know, the, the reality was going to change, it would be the end of an age and the, the birth of a new one, um, uh, at least on their calendar. And um, he's basically suggesting uh, in different sources, I've since found another article where he apparently wrote uh, more specifically about what he thought might happen, but he was suggesting that a, a huge portal might be created in which uh, we would have the opportunity in this reality to go over to that reality or that somehow the act of creating this time bridge or this reality bridge would bring our, our time streams back together, our reality streams, our Earths back together. And, you know, his whole idea about 2012 is that we will be unrecognizable to ourselves after that point, and that's always been a hard contention for me to to swallow. It, I mean, I it's it's the only about the only thing I can conceive of is like, okay, it'll be like a dream, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. The, the, the dream time seems pretty strange to me. Uh, it seems like the strangest thing I've ever experienced besides psychedelics, and really, they're 
a lot of similarities there because you're they're both allowing access to the uh, unconscious, and it's it's the unconscious that seems to be the uh, everyday portal to uh, much of the these realms. Um, well, well, what about the the notion that our waking reality is really what is bizarre? We just think of it as not bizarre because we spend so much time there, and uh, that. Uh, we have a, a sort of um, chauvinistic uh, provincial kind of view and that if we took a step back and thought, well, you know, maybe that is pretty weird that you can have thoughts, and but then you're not able to just manifest them <laughs> like you can do in a dream. That Why is that weird wall there? So, uh, you understand what I'm saying to kind of flip it around? Absolutely. Yeah, so... Absolutely. No, I think that, that as, as you know, uh, my feeling is exactly that, that that that's that's pretty much what the teachings of all uh, Aboriginal cultures have have been uh, telling us. It may not be the, the the literal myth that they're living their lives by, but that's I think that's the implications of so much of this anomalous stuff that we investigate is that that um, it, it's pointing towards um, this idea. That in some ways, those two realms can be one, and I think really that's what McKenna keeps going to as. This idea of what he thinks, you know, human destiny is, is this uh, interiorizing uh, of our body image, but the exteriorizing of our imaginations and our souls, this kind of, you know, manifesting, like with, with Buddhists and, and um, their, their approach to lucid dreaming, it's, it's, it's all about make, becoming more lucid in this reality, and in some ways I think that means making it more dreamlike by virtue of being able to more uh, easily manifest what you want to in this reality, as opposed to just, oh, I can, I've learned how to, you know, manifest, you know, 13 virgins in <laughs> heaven in my dreams, you know. Um, you know oh, that, yeah, that was a good one. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, McKenna's whole fractal soliton of improbability uh, concept it, it just you and i could probably do three whole shows on just that and i like, you know we're, we're we're almost out of time here and we've just kind of scratched this a bit but it, it's this i i enjoy the concept <laughs> it's a weird way to put it but i, I do i enjoy talking about it and it's in so on so many levels because it, it's so uh, it brings in so many like sci-fi ideas but yet it's being presented as like well maybe this is how it really is and uh the I like this notion that the, this more advanced version of us, this alternate time stream that didn't get retarded, as you said, by the Christian epoch, this alternate time stream that just had science zoom ahead and is now so, so far ahead of us, uh, they worked with dreams, really understood that dreams are so powerful and these things like we think of as Jungian psychology and, and, and shamanism and really worked with that and to such a degree that that dis, you know discovered us that that's such an elegant uh, notion and that uh, now they are working on technology to uh, actually now that they've discovered us to bring us back together with them because they're a little fearful of having us out here on our own any longer with our nuclear weapons and all. Yeah, our fingers on the button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's just a really great and interesting concept and ties in with so many uh, mystical, occult, and UFO uh, uh, traditions. And it also has so many resonances with the uh, ideas, the writings of Philip K. Dick, 
you know, one of his big things that was in uh, Vallis and maybe one of his other books was this notion of, of this parallel reality that it was our Earth, you know, cruising along on an alternate history that where the Roman Empire didn't fall and that he actually, when he had his sort of crisis experience, his pink beam experience out here in Fullerton, California, was actually having visions of this sort of like Roman Empire superimposed over the everyday reality he was seeing out here in Orange County. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's just... Um, it, it doesn't appear, and McKenna doesn't say that he just he thought this all out, that he, he does say that it just came to him, but it's so uh, amazing that it ties so many of these things together. Yeah, and, it, 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 you know, the skeptical view, it could just be, you know, a brilliant mind who, in a flash of inspiration and drug-induced, uh, you know, euphoria came up with a, a bunch of dots connected, you know, into a cohesive story. Um, you know, that's all... In a lot of ways, it is for you and I. It's a myth that we find interesting and that we, you know, find some meaningfulness to, but that which, you know, we don't necessarily accept as, as absolute truth in, in religion. And in fact, he did describe it uh, as his shield for uh, talking about it was, oh, it's just a science fiction story I came up with, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's a, that's a really nice foil. And so, so many of, of his ideas, he, he would... You know, one time he would just say, "Look, this is this is the truth. I feel it. You know, I've experienced it. It's real." And other times he's like, "Well, you know, you can take it or leave it. I, I'm not saying it's truth, but you know, it, it's it's one idea that seems to fit the data." And um, I like that a lot about him. And that's one of the things I think we like about a lot of our uh, teachers, uh, the, the the leaders in these different fields, is that they, they do question uh, their own assumptions and they they don't just necessarily subscribe to one interpretation, but uh, it, yes, it's fascinating stuff, and his whole take on the UFO thing, I think, is still, every time I hear him speak, every time I read something of his, I just come back to the sense that he's really on to it. He really had a grasp of a, a, a postmodern appreciation of, of what UFO, of UFO's part, uh, the part they played in our history, in our uh, culture, and perhaps our future. Yeah, and he always referred to it in the singular, the, the UFO. And in this, you know, that it was a concept. And, and again, not that it was uh, real or fake, but it's this concept. This, I think he called it an, an idea complex and uh, with a lot to teach us. And uh, Right, okay, well, wow, we're just about out of time here. Uh, why don't you, uh, before we have to go here, uh, Smiles Lewis, uh, give us out some of your uh, websites again and, and any information you want so people can contact you or find out more about what you're doing. All right. Well, uh, they can go to PSIOP Radio, PSIOPRadio.com, and uh, they can listen to all the archives of our past shows. We're up to like 80, I think our 87th, 88th episode now. Um, and uh, there's a couple of videos there of fans and myself have created of, of some kind of, kind of like best of clips from some of our shows where we have some images and a video montage. Um, of course, my main site's elfus.net, E-L-F. IS.net, you mentioned AnomalyMagazine.com, AnomalyArchives.org, AnomalyRadio.com, and uh, people can email me at web, W-E-B, at Elthus.net, um, and uh, yeah, you know, we, we talk about so many different subjects, and there's just always so much going on, and it really does seem like that, I think both 
McKenna and Robert Anton Wilson talked about this idea of the doubling of knowledge and how we seem to be racing towards some omega point where, you know, our lives seem so hectic uh, more and more and we're subjected to so much change uh, every day in the form of, you know, I can't believe I just read about such and such, you know, person passing away or such and such discovery or, or this horrible, scary thing going on in the environment or this horrible, scary thing going on with the government. Um, and, and yet, you know, humanity is still humanity. We still have so much potential for good and for liberty and freedom and, and for all. We really, we can do it. You know, don't, this whole idea that there's too many of us, well, maybe there are, but, you know, we haven't learned how to properly live uh, uh, in, in balance with nature. And that's really where McKenna was, what he was all about was, you know, finding that balance point where we can be stewards uh, for nature and the planet and um, and be more responsible and ethical with our development of our science and our technology for a better spiritual community. All right. Uh, that's a great note to leave it on. Uh, Smiles Lewis, Stephen Miles Lewis, thanks so much for uh, being with us. And uh, we'll I'll give out a little bit more of that information before I close out here for contacting you or checking out your websites. So, yeah, thanks again for being with us. Thank you. All right. Take care. Yeah, so Stephen Miles Lewis and yeah, PsyOp Radio. You can uh, find him there. He's doing a great uh, show there. Really interesting stuff. Anomaly Magazine, uh, Anomaly Radio, Elphis.net, and uh, yeah, and he the McKenna thing we were talking about. Uh, Smiles sent me an article, the Great Time Stream Bifurcation. I think you can Google that, and uh, that has a short piece that McKenna wrote, kind of uh, summarizing what this is about. But uh, a uh, fascinating uh, little concept, or grand concept, I should say, to have a little uh, fun with. All right, so I'll remind you again, the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to email me, you can uh, contact me at rglarson at org. And, um, yeah, okay, I uh, this is Robert Larson saying I'll be talking to you next week. And uh, stay tuned, as always, to uh, 88.9 FM in Irvine, KUCI. And uh, it's... Uh, KUCI.org as well, and uh, Kyle will be up in just a couple minutes with things that are square. I don't know. Oh, no, he won't be because he is at Burning Man, and he's got a, uh, a sub for him today, and I can see her behind me. I believe uh, she is the one sitting in, uh, so she'll be doing great stuff, I am sure, and uh, Kyle will be giving us a report on Burning Man uh, next week. Okay, Robert Larson saying I'll be talking to you next week. KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.